Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 28, 28 of ABC on Pittsburgh Sports. Michael Indonesio, Tom Bradley, and Mark Clementi recording Friday, September 9th, 2022. I think that's right. Yeah. Uh, so going into the first full weekend of NFL football. Uh, but before we get into some sports talk, just want to go through some logistics here and some house cleaning. Um, we've been, in terms of recording the podcast, a little all over the place uh, these past few summer months, vacations and kids and whatnot. So we just basically, whenever we can grab a moment, we've been sitting down and recording. But we're going to commit to all of our listeners that that's going to change now that we're in football season. This is Western Pennsylvania. Most of you are interested in Steelers or Pitt or some type of football. So we're going to record our commitment to you. We're going to record every Thursday. So we'll have it posted Thursday night, Friday morning. So you get your ABC on Pittsburgh Sports Fix before we go into football weekends. Um, And it'll be some combination. Hopefully all three of us, if not all three of us can do it, it'll be at least two of us. But yeah, we're going to record every Thursday. Have it ready to go Thursday night or Friday morning. You can listen before, as I said, we the, the we kick off for the weekend. So it has been a little rough, vacations and time away, and as I said, kids and commitments and and whatnot. But yeah, Mark, I agree. And, and you know, feedback that I've gotten is that you know we've gotten to people's routines. You know, hey, I do this, I do, I do my Thursday walk, I do my Friday, Friday walk, yeah, 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 I do whatever at a certain time. And you know, we, you know, I'm listening. We haven't been able to find you guys. Well, listen, you know. I mean, between the, 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 the three of us, I think, what do we have, like 42 kids? Right. I mean, I mean, we got a we got <laughs> of kids, 38. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're kid-heavy in this group. So, you know, with summertime, vacations, you know, work schedules, all right. that stuff, you know, Mark and I own our own businesses, and uh, Michael's, you know, commuting mm-hmm. back and forth to work some days, and some days all the way from home. to Timbuktu and back. Yeah, I mean, to, yeah. we're all in that, uh, in that world right now. So, but, uh, you know, we thought it was important to make sure that you knew Hey, for football season, this is when we all get started. You know, we've been, it's amazing. We've been doing this for how long? Mm-hmm. And this is our first football season. You know, we, we really didn't yeah, get we it. Started right. yeah, we, started, yeah. we, we started after this. So this is our, our first chance to really hit football live every week, uh, cover the Steelers and Pitt. We wanted to make a commitment to you mm-hmm. guys, the listeners. So, that, you know, that's what we're committing to. So we're going to get it done. Well, last week, Tom, you were at uh, Austin set in in your place. And there's a kid that never stops talking. He said four words the entire that's the, it. The yeah. entire podcast. It was kind of disappointing. I, yeah. I, I wanted right. him to shut up for twenty years, and that was <laughs> right. and so. If he could, I can get him to come do the podcast, he'll stop talking. Put right. a microphone. You need a microphone in your house. So yeah, you yes, yeah. that's it. Right. Put a microphone. We're recording you. Here you go. Yeah, what right. do you have to say? Yeah, nothing yeah. to say. Nothing to yeah. say. Nothing at all. So it's great to have all three of us back together. Especially, this is it. Here we go. It's time to play some ball. Of course, Pitt played West Virginia last week. Michael and I discuss the game. We're going to get to Pitt in a minute, but let's start with the Steelers. We've broken everything down up to this point. We've talked about every single position. It's it's time to play ball. Let's see what this team's all about. Hopefully Sunday they start to come together. We talked about the offensive line gelling. We hopefully start to see a little bit of that. Hopefully Devin Bush takes the next step. A lot of hopefullys here. Um, so rather than rehashing all that stuff, let's just get right to it. What do we think happens on Sunday? It's... Honestly, it's one of the weirdest feelings I've had in in years. It's that new, you know, it's mm-hmm. that new vibe a little right. bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NFL has become so quarterback centric. It's the first time in 17 years mm-hmm. we have a new quarterback, and uh, 
it's a weird yeah. feeling. I don't know. I honestly don't know what I'm going to see. I really don't. Um, this is year two of Matt Canada, um, but year one with Roethlisberger, did he really get a chance to put his offense in? Um, Trubisky, I think he's going to be okay to good. I don't know that. The offensive line, I think, is going to be better than what, you know. I mean, I, I heard people today on the radio um, say that this has the potential to be the worst offensive line in history. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's just not. I mean, it's a work in progress. I think this line has the potential to be better than what people think. Um, but I, I just don't know. I really don't right. know what I'm going to see on Sunday. And I, I'm, you know, I'm mildly optimistic slash excited to actually see what happens on Sunday. Well, I, I think for this team, uh, you're right, the unknown. Um, 17 years of the same thing. You had the same guy behind the center every week for 17 years, other than a few injury played seasons. This is a different team and we've never seen this before so there I, for Steeler fans this is there's there's excitement to know what right. what might happen yep, yep. um Tommy has a feeling that this offensive line is going to be better I don't see it um I what I've seen and their track record of these guys they're not very good mm-hmm. um I don't know how you polish a turp <laughs> <laughs> I just I don't know how you polish a turp um Sunday's game is it's going to be the litmus test because Cincinnati is, you know, obviously they went to the Super Bowl last year. They obviously didn't win the division, but they got better as the season went along. They addressed some needs in the offseason. They addressed mm-hmm. their offensive line. Uh, they got a star quarterback in Joe Burrow. Now, the difference is Burrow hasn't played all all. All summer. And we're going to talk about that. Tommy has a good point about the, the Bills-Rams game last night that yes, we'll get to there, in a minute. There, we've seen it last night. We've seen it all preseason with most teams. Now, the one thing I will say about the Steelers is they played right. a lot of their starters mm-hmm. in in preseason. Mm-hmm. Where I was watching other games. And listen, you guys know I'm a Buccaneers fan. I was watching game two, and I'm thinking, all the starters are going to be out there. Now, nobody knows the Buccaneers roster like I do. There were guys out there I've never mm-hmm. even heard of, ever, like yeah. ever. So I think there's something to that. I, I know a lot of people think the Steelers are going to get blown out Sunday. I don't. I think the game's going to be closer than people think um, because the Steelers have played their starters. Mm-hmm. Burrow hasn't played with Jamar Chase. He hasn't played with T. Higgins. Uh, Joe Is Mixon, T. Higgins going to play Sunday? Have we I heard, heard he's going to play okay, Sunday. Okay, he's back. He did. I heard he practiced this week. Mixon but hasn't played so. We seen some of that last night mm-hmm. with the the Bills Rams game. The Rams didn't play a lot of their starters in preseason, and they got their asses handed mm-hmm. to them last night. So they, I think we're going to see a game that's a lot closer than people think. No, that's a great point. I mean, coming into this podcast, I thought for you know I was thinking a thirty-one ten drubbing uh, because what really concerns me and one area the Steelers needed to address this offseason, as everybody knows, is the run defense. It was atrocious last year. And no team gouged them more than the Bengals did in the two meetings last year. So that's still a huge concern to me. Uh, until they prove otherwise that, you know, Joe Mixon, one of the best in the league, he feasted on him last year. That is still a huge concern because then you have Joe Burrow. I don't care if you – I mean, he's one of the best in the league for a reason, um, as is Jamar Chase. But, Tommy, you're probably, I don't know what to expect. I really don't. I mean – could Mitch come in and light it up? Absolutely. Why couldn't he? I mean, he, this guy has pedigree. There's a reason why he was picked where he was. You can, people can question the bear, Bears all they want. But listen, 
coming out in that draft, everybody thought he was a top 10 pick. Without a doubt, he was one of the top quarterbacks coming out in that draft. Could he come out and, and show some of that? Absolutely. Why not? Well, and, and that's where I'm at with this team is that, and that's why I'm probably a little higher on them, and, and I don't say that from a homer position. I'm just looking at it with my own two eyes. The biggest two things that I continuously hear talked about at nauseum, offensive line, run defense. I think we can all agree, right? That's yeah. that's the two. If, if anybody's looking for an Achilles mm-hmm. heel, that's it. Well, the defensive line for the majority of last year had Kate, had Cam Hayward and nobodies behind it. Chris Warmley, Montavious, uh, Montavious, Montavious Adams, that, right? Um, guys like that that were just guys that should have been fourth or fifth or sixth right. mm-hmm. that were asked to be starting roles. Well, this year they've got Alu Alu back, who was their starting nose nose yeah. tackle, and they upgraded, in my opinion, tremendously with Oak and Joby. Mm-hmm. So I think that when you're looking at two-thirds of your defensive line being significantly better than last year, and then you still have Cam Hayward, I think you've upgraded that defensive line. I think the run game, the run defense should be better. If you look at the offensive line, I think a second-year um, Adams should be better. He's, or I'm not so Adams, Moore, Moore. Dan mm-hmm. Moore, should be better. He had a rough preseason. I don't care about preseason. I really don't. I, I care about when the game starts. I know what he did last year. I thought he, for a fourth-round pick, coming in as a starter, I thought he did okay. I think that he's going to – I would hope that he should take a step forward this year. I think Dotson was – everybody was raving about Dotson in his first year. Then he got hurt, and he got out of weight or out of shape. Um, I think if you get the Dotson from his rookie year, I think that's an upgrade over what they had last year. I think Moore at center is – or Mason Cole at center wants to be a center, <laughs> unlike Kendra Green last year. So I think that's an upgrade. I think Daniels at right guard is an upgrade over Trey Turner. And then you have Chooks, who I think is an average to slightly above average right tackle. I, I don't see that being line being the worst in the history of football. Now, I don't think it's going to be the worst no, in the history no, of football no, no. by any means. I, I, agree. I just have major cons- – like, Moore is who he is, right? And, and hopefully we see some growth from him this year. Time will tell. I have my doubts. But that hadn't been said. Dotson, when when the sheriff, Coach Tomlin, comes out, and the only thing he can say about that competition at left guard was, well, Dotson was better than Kendrick Green. He don't like – he doesn't – he's mad at Dotson. He is. He has a problem right. with There's Dotson. Something, There's no yeah. doubt. That but Dotson not exactly a ringing endorsement. Well, but Dotson did something to get into their their doghouse their, sure. their dog for sure. So I don't think I think anything short of Dotson curing cancer, <laughs> he's not going to get anything other than a lukewarm yeah. response because he's in the doghouse for whatever reason. I really believe that. No, I will say, see, you're high, I I don't like James Daniels at all. I think he, he's not like very his, good. I like his pedigree. I agree. I don't like anything I saw in the preseason. Mm-hmm. But I'm more interested in the years that he's been a professional football player than in three meaningless preseason right. games. But here's really the problem, though. There's a reason why the Bears yeah. let him walk. They have a terrible offensive line. Right, and they and let him that's walk. That's a guy they let walk. So right. if you already have a bad offensive line, and that's one guy you're getting rid of, I, I don't understand. Right. Like I said, I, it's, I'm not saying they're not going to be better than last. Listen, they have, have, could they be worse than last, last year's year? offensive line? They've been the worst. Uh, so that might have been the worst of all time. So if it's an upgrade, but, how much is the upgrade? But they made the they made the playoffs with that offensive line right. last year. They did. That's what Bennett and they won nine right. games. Well, uh, right. 
Well, Ben had two good drives seven times last year <laughs> right. in one game with that. And right. There's no arguing that. But I, it's okay for a quarterback to be good for all four quarters right. as opposed to the it's last true. seven minutes this of the game. True. That was last year. So, you know, that's, that's, just, that's what yeah. I mean. That's why this is so I will intriguing say, to right, me. Right, right, what the right, hell are we going right. to see? Watch. Yeah, to me, no question. I think there's an argument that if you have five offensive linemen and three defensive linemen, out of those eight linemen that finished the year last year, I think you could make an argument that seven of the eight linemen have been upgraded this year, or at least should be upgraded this year over what they finished with. I'll last give you year. six of eight in my mind. Yeah, okay. I agree. Yeah, but, six. But yeah, I, and Ogan Joby, I yeah, think, is going to have no, a monster year. That was a that was a fantastic sign. I think Alu being back and healthy is a huge piece. Absolutely. Of this. I mean, he's the Never. plug in the middle. They won the game in Buffalo with him. Right. Then he got hurt the following week, and all everything he, fell everything apart. Went I would argue too, Ogan Joby is better than Stefan Tuitt. He's a better all-around player than Stefan Tuitt. I, so I even with that, you, I'm sick of reading all around. Yeah, I think Ogan Joby is a better run stopper yes. than Tuitt, and he can penetrate too. Tuitt was a better a, a better sack artist, mm-hmm. if you will. But I don't think I think Ogunjobi is a significantly better run defender than Tua. Yes, and I significantly think the difference better. on the sack is minimal. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you. Yeah. Well, especially at that position. And, and then the big, you know, and once again, don't want to beat a dead horse here, but Devin Bush is a huge X factor when you when it comes to the run defense. But Miles Jack is a significant Same upgrade over Schoen. Oh, yeah, in my opinion, absolutely. So you balance that out yeah. too. Yeah, no question. I mean, it, yeah, it's going to be fascinating. One o'clock Sunday can't come soon enough. I mean, it's going to be hopefully a great game, and you know the 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 fact that a lot of the Bengals didn't play in the preseason, I think, is going to play a huge, huge part in this game, without a doubt. That's what I said. Yeah, I, I, I really believe that. I, I know Tommy doesn't believe in preseason. I don't believe in it as far as, but you've got to get that feel for playing. Right. And if you don't have that feel for playing, and then yeah. you go out, and we've seen it last night. We, right. we watched it last night. I mean, the Rams won the Super Bowl, and they got their asses handed to them <laughs> last night. I mean, if, if if Allen doesn't throw two interceptions in that game, that could be 41-10, yep. 41-3. All right, so – Well, hold on. Yeah. I disagree. I, I, the only thing I want to clarify is it's not that I don't – I don't care so much uh, about the results in preseason. Right. But, but I get do the think – Get the race. I do think there is a significant value in getting punched in the face a couple mm-hmm. times – Yep. By somebody that's not your teammate. Mm-hmm. I think there is a huge difference in a team like the Rams last night and Zach Taylor, their coach. It's Zach Taylor's their coach, right? That's the name of the Sean McVeigh. Sean McVeigh. No, the Bengals. Oh, yeah, Zach, Zach Taylor. Taylor. Yes, Every time yes. I hear that, I think that's not right. Yeah. Wasn't that a Home Alone kid? Wasn't that a Tim Allen kid? <laughs> yeah. But I always think I'm yes, saying that. I always think I'm the, saying that. Yeah, yeah. I always think I'm saying that wrong. Yeah, yeah. But he's a disciple from the, from the Sean McVeigh world. And, you know, none of nobody from Cincinnati played. No, you know, right. nobody played in the preseason. Nobody's gotten punched in the mouth so far. And I do think that, you know, Tomlin, Tomlin escaped some major problems with Watt almost right. losing a knee, this, you know, uh, Deontay Johnson right. popping his shoulder. Right. He avoided Inaji coming off this Liz right. Frank thing that he all of a sudden, you know, just spilled the beans about. He avoided injury by doing it. But, I mean, I, I think I saw an ESPN report. 15 guys were lost for the year this year 
during practice in training camp. Yeah, it can no. happen at any time. So, I mean, it's, it, you, it, can't, it's it's you can't just yeah, wrap these football. guys in bubble wrap. Right. Right. It's football. You know, so what are we going to do? We're going to stop We're going to stop practicing too because right. we might somebody might get hurt? It's a physical sport. Stuff happens. I like the fact – I think the teams that play preseason get punched in the mouth a little bit, have an advantage in week one mm-hmm. specifically, mm-hmm. and especially the first half of week one – over teams that just don't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think you saw that last night in the Rams. I think you saw the Rams guys last night. I think the last night's game about the Rams was just about as, as the Rams playing bad as it was Buffalo playing good. And I think you saw a lot of Rams with their hands on their hips. Especially in the second half. One it was knee, a 10-10 game at halftime. One yeah. knee on the ground, catching their <clears> breath and <throat> stuff like that. I'm telling you, I think that makes a difference in week one. Right. If and the Steelers were playing the Bengals in week four, no. But this is week one, and I think okay. it can make a difference. All right, so with all that having been said, okay. let, predictions, let's go. Tommy, what do you got? Lead us off. Cincinnati's going <laughs> All that being said. But, I mean, I just think that Cincinnati, I think that that the offensive talent for them That's a lot. is just yeah. overwhelming. I mean, when you've got Joe Burrow, the three wide receivers, Joe Mixon, They've upgraded their offensive line. Now, you know, I've listened to some Cincinnati people say they're sort of in the same boat that the Steeler people are. That hey, these guys have we've we've allegedly upgraded our our offensive line, but we haven't mm-hmm. seen it so far. Right. Is it really an upgrade? Um, they've got Laleo Collins at mm-hmm. right tackle going up against TJ, who is yeah. not a good pass blocker mm-hmm. up against TJ Watt. Um, do I think that the Steelers could pull off a Buffalo that they pulled off last year? I absolutely do think they can. I think this game's going to be way closer than the seven and a half point line. It wouldn't surprise me to see the Steelers win this game at all, but I think Cincinnati wins a close game, you know, something like 24, 21, 2017, something like that. I do think Cincinnati's going to win, but I think the Steelers will cover. Michael? Yeah, I think the Steelers are going to cover too. I, I, I just watching what, what's gone on in the preseason, I, I, I think the Bengals are going to win 31. 24, 27, something like that. It's going to be a really close game. It's going to come down to a play or two in the fourth quarter. I just think the Bengals got too much offensive talent. And I think the Bengals' defense is pretty good. And I think they're going to make a play somewhere in the fourth quarter that's going to swing the game their way. So I'm going to say 31-27. All right. Well, after all this discussion, isn't it? See how you you, – debate is good because you you have an open mind. and I'm going to pick the Steelers in an upset. I'm going to go off the board here against both of you. I'm going to pick the Steelers in an upset. Um, the whole fa- – listen, they've played. they played a lot of ball. Mitch played a lot of ball in preseason. The offensive line played a ton. Defensive line played a ton. And I think they can go up – they can go, uh, you know, across 70 and and pull off the upset and beat Cincinnati. I think it'll be close. Michael, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a fourth-quarter win. But I think the Steelers pulled out 27-24. Okay. So that's that game. So what we're going to do each week now is we're going to pick three games a week, and we're going to keep a running tally as the season goes mm-hmm. along. And our second game, Mark, is going to be – Let's stay – you know, look, you, you got Steelers and Cincy, a great divisional matchup. Let's look at the other great divisional matchup that's taking place on Sunday. That's the Raiders at the Los Angeles – I still can't say that. The Los, Los Angeles, Angeles Chargers. Chargers. Yeah. Uh, wow, that's going to be a hell of a matchup. Um, both teams upgraded their offenses. Uh, Oakland, uh, Oakland. See, I just see Oakland. I'm thinking Oakland and San Diego. It's it's Las Vegas in L.A. Um, 
the Las Vegas Chargers or Las Las Vegas Raiders actually pick up Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Carr gets his former college teammate back. Mm-hmm. Their offense was pretty prolific last year. They got Darren Waller. They got Josh Jacobs. Uh, they got Hunter Renfro in the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you look at the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Justin Herbert, fantastic quarterback. Top five quarterback in the league. He's absolutely a top five quarterback. They got a top five running back in uh, Eckler. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Uh, Keenan, Keenan Allen. Allen. Uh, their defense Derwin is upgraded. James. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, you, know, you got Bosa on Bosa, the defense. Yep. You got Derwin James. Um, they traded for Khalil Mack too, didn't they? They did. Khalil they wound Mack, up yep. getting Khalil Mack, which mm-hmm. is going to help their pass rush. Um, I'm going to take the Chargers at home. Yeah. Uh, I'll say 31-21. Yeah, I agree. I like the Chargers. I think the to me the Chargers should be in the conversation for the AFC uh, representative yep. for the Super Bowl. Finally, that quarterback mm-hmm. is just uh, Herbert is just a different, he's a different beast, man. He really is. Um, I like him. I like what they've done. I think they're. I think they've balanced out their team nicely. Um, they also got um, uh, was it J.C. Jackson from the yeah, Patriots. They did. Not yeah, they did. Yeah. No, but he's, he's hard to be back. Yeah. But uh, but top corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the Raiders, they always seem to be that team that just comes up a little shorter. Does something. I like the Devontae Adams. I think that they're going to put up points. Um, but I, I, I think this game is going to be uh, a, a coming out party for the Chargers. I, I think it's going to be big. I think the Chargers hang this. I think it's 47 35 Chargers. Wow. I think it's going to be. A, we're going to get some points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, take that, the that's over, the folks. Fact. If you're listening to Tonic, definitely take the take over on the that. Take the over one. on that. And yeah. that's the four, <clears throat> four o'clock game on CBS. Yeah. And I like the national game. Yeah. So. I'll take uh, Chargers as well for all the reasons you guys talked about. I'm not going to repeat anything. I like the Chargers 34-17 in that one. Also big. All right, the other big game on Sunday, Michael's boys in Tampa are actually traveling to Dallas to take on the Cowboys. This is going to be a good matchup. Um, You know, Cowboys, a lot of injuries right now. Dak is back, though, and healthy this year. Elliot's well, he has a hobbled ankle. Well, he, yeah, that, he that ankle, I have a and feeling. Jordan's, gonna... Jordan's failed him in practice the other day. He was complaining about yeah. his shoes. That's MJ, right. MJ don't like that. He's, <laughs> yeah. he's an Air Jordan guy. <laughs> MJ don't want to hear that, none of that noise. But, yeah. I believe this is a trap game for Tampa. I think they're going to lose this game. Mm. Uh, I, I think they're going to lose 28-21. to 21. Uh, Tampa's offensive line is a mess. The, and mm-hmm. that's saying it might Tons of injuries. Right and they lost two guys. Well, one Listen, retired. Ryan, Jensen's, Ryan Jensen's out. Yep. Um, yeah. Ali Marpet retired. Uh, they did. Kappa went to the Bengals. Kappa went to the Bengals. They picked up Shaq Mason. Um, my son's buddy, who we went to grade school with, Robert Hainsey. Hainsey he's. Monroeville's he, own. Yeah, Shout out, Monroeville. Yeah, Monroeville's own. Robert Hainsey, he's banged up. He's playing center. Uh, Tristan Worfs is a little bit banged up. Uh, I think that pass rush from Dallas, Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a beast, that kid. Wow. Well, as much as I hate a, to say he's it, because he's player. Um, a nitty line, but I, he's a hell listen, of a player. Listen, I hope I'm wrong, but I, I feel like Dallas is going to win this home opener. And I, I say Dallas wins 28 21. Tommy. Well, there's nothing easier in a sports bet world than to bet against Dallas in a big game. Right. <laughs> they ain't never That's bet true. a big game they could choke away. So um, I, I think uh, Tampa Bay wins this game. I think, again, this has the potential to be a high-scoring game. 
Um, I think this is something in the effect of like 31-28 Tampa. But uh, I got Tampa winning this game. I always bet against Dallas when the yeah. when this, It's a great when the, point. Yes. When, the, when the stars are shining <laughs> right. on that team, man, they're always good to choke out away or do something. Before Mark gets to his pick, I, I want to say that there's a chance that Chris Godwin could play. Like, yes, one. that's amazing. How amazing is that? Now we're not talking. We're talking about a wide receiver here coming off an ACL. Uh, that could. Be- what are we in month five? Yeah, because he got hurt. It was late in the season. Week 14, yeah. week 15, where he got So we're late off. December. Yeah, so yeah. we're late December. It, it's not that far off, and it's amazing, That's amazing. the recoveries that these guys make now. Godwin plays. That could be an impact mm-hmm. on this game. Uh, but I still feel like Dallas just I, – I, okay. I just feel like this first game is going to be a trap game for Tampa. No, I like the road, the road team again in this one as well. Um, I, I, I like Tampa to, to win. Um I don't think I, – I agree. Micah Parsons is a beast. I think Dallas's defense is okay. Um, but Mike Evans and Leonard Fournette, uh, I think, have monster games. Hopefully Fournette does for my fantasy team. Um, but I, I think Tampa wins this game. I'm going to say 27-17, Tampa. I, I hope Tampa's defense plays that well. I hope you guys are right and I'm wrong. I hope I'm the one that's on the bottom uh, I, of the leaderboard at the end. Well, of, I still look. Tampa's defense is still Tampa's defense. They've certainly lost some players, but um, we know if anything, Todd Bowles is going to have that de- that defense ready to go, and the schematics will be there for sure. Um, so I, I look for them to shut down Dallas's offense. And before we get off of football, yeah. We want to talk about yeah. This is an interesting topic that Tommy brought up today to us before the podcast. Um, He wanted to talk about obviously we know Ben Roethlisberger and Terry Bradshaw are the two best quarterbacks in Steeler history. But who is the third best quarterback in Steeler history, Tom? Well, I mean, you we I joked early on before we before the podcast started that technically Len Dawson and Bobby Lane are the two best non non Bradshaw Roethlisberger's. That ever put on a Steeler uniform, but I mean, as you pointed out, Bobby Lane might have been feeling it a little bit when he was quarterback. <laughs> well, Johnny yeah. Unitas was actually cut by the Steelers yeah, before he ever played yeah. a game, and my dad played semi-pro ball against mm-hmm. them. Well, did Johnny Unitas ever dress in an actual game for the Steelers? No, no, never. Okay, that's why they I traded. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, as far as quarterbacks who actually played. I, you have to think it's a two-man race between Cordell mm-hmm. and Neil O'Donnell. And I think, you know, we were talking again about before the podcast started. Maybe we should start reporting, recording before the podcast. We talk a lot of good stuff before We the do, podcast. yeah. Um, just walk around with our phones and just but, record I mean, it. Cordell was just a freak athlete. I mean, and if Cordell played now, oh, I think oh. he'd be a 60 We said that on a yeah. 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 yeah, no question. He'd be um, Lamar Jackson. He, yeah, better. Because he actually, yes. he, yeah, but much better arm, much better accuracy. I, I think as far as results base go, take away that I'm talking talent, physical mm-hmm. skills, I think I got to go with Neil O'Donnell as number three because he's the only other quarterback to not name Bradshaw or Roethlisberger that got him to a Super Bowl, and I, they should have won that Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, maybe it's O'Donnell's fault, maybe it's a wide receiver's yeah. fault. There's, you know, it depends on who you talk to about why they lost, uh, why he threw those interceptions, and then right after that he signed with the Jets, and and uh, yeah. you know, that didn't work out well for anybody. But uh, nothing works out for the Jets. Jet, nothing. Cordell, Cordell was such an enigma. I mean, they didn't was, know how to use him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was just literally one of those guys that was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, they just didn't know what to right. do with him. 20 years ahead of his time. Yeah, he was. 
But I think just based on, on what I saw on the field and the actual results, I'm going to go Neil O'Donnell three, but it's close. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely hear your, your logic and reasoning there, Tom, but I have to go Cordell. I mean, that dude, what he was able to accomplish with a head coach and offensive coordinators that believed in three yards in a cloud of dust, if anybody ever did. The one year they actually knew how to use them, he put up a monster year. Um so I have to give the nod to Cordell because if they were able to use him appropriately, and I get he was ahead of his time, but he was a million times better than Neil O'Donnell on mine. There's no comparison between those two. Uh, and like I said, when he was able to really showcase all of his abilities and skills, he had a monster year. Took him to the AFC Championship game. Um, and I think there would have been a lot more of that. Had, you know, there was the merry-go-round of offensive coordinators that we always see with the Steelers. It has never that's never changed, um, and so I think that really impacted Cordell and his career. Um, I, I have to. I mean, I can't. Neil, I, I, he's like a four-letter word in, to me. Um, so I'm going to go Cordell. You know, when Tom brought up the the topic today, I was like, wow. You know, that's, because yeah. you know me, I'm a stats geek, mm-hmm. and I'm like. I think this city has been spoiled because they had Bradshaw from 70 mm. to what, 83. Right, when he ripped the Then we went through, yeah, we went through some obviously <laughs> lean years. Lean years. You had your David Woodleys, you had your Bobby Bristol. Mark Malone, Bobby, yeah. Yeah, Mark Malone. I forgot about him. Good broadcaster, <laughs> shitty quarterback. Um, you know, thinking about it, I, I was leaning towards Neil O'Donnell. And I think I, Tommy has a point. Mm-hmm. He does, if absolutely. you look at the actual on-field results, Neil O'Donnell probably had the better stats. Like I, when I looked it up, mm-hmm. he actually has the second-best passer rating of any quarterback mm-hmm. in Steeler history behind Roethlisberger. And the only reason is because Bradshaw was so god-awful his first four <laughs> years that kind of threw his passer rating off for his career. And it was a different game. Yeah. It was a completely it was a different, different game, different yes. game when Bradshaw was quarterback. Uh I would have to lean towards Cordell myself. Um, You've seen flashes of it, and he was there. He was almost there a couple times. It just never – he was never able to break through, even though Neil O'Donnell got him to a Super Bowl. Right. Cordell could have got him to at least two Super Bowls, mm-hmm. but it just never happened. So I'm, I'm, I'm leaning towards – Cordell, I'm gonna have to. I'm leaning, but it's close. I mean, when I thought about it at first, I'm like, Cordell, that's the guy. Yeah. But then when I when I was even before Tom even brought it up, I was like, Wow, O'Donnell was pretty good here. And then he left. Yeah, he was was pretty good. He he wasn't great, but he was pretty good. And other than Bradshaw and Roethlisberger, every quarterback that's ever played here has got off. Right. Cliff Stouts. I mean, you could just name guy one guy after another. Yeah, Maddox. But they had those guys for so long, so long a period of time. Everything in between was pretty much garbage. So we're picking the shiniest piece of shit in the pot. (laughs) And it's funny when you think about it. I mean, the Steelers have been around for you know however long, hundred years. years, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And you know, you think, well, you know, you could, you should be able to write down, you know, the top ten quarterbacks like that. But we're talking about three. We're having trouble. Think about who's five. five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I mean, they've been around for 100 years. Who's the fifth guy? I mean, it's pretty clear one and two you can argue about what order they're in. Yeah. Three and four you can argue right. about what order they're in. After that, after oh, that. Shit, does it go off a cliff yeah. at five? I mean, Tommy Maddox? 
You're in Tommy the, Maddox at five. You're in the Tommy Maddox. <laughs> you're in the. I mean, Joe uh, Joe Gillum. Joe Joe Gillum. Yeah. I mean, he was high every game. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Tommy Maddox, Joe Gillum. I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, Mike, yeah, I remember, you know, growing up, my Mike dad, Tom's at, my dad told Charlie me. Batch. I mean, <coughs> growing up, my dad said to me, you mm. could go to games in the 60s mm. for free. Yeah. You didn't even have to pay. They were so if bad. If you just walked up, you could just walk into the stadium and watch them play. That's how bad they right. were. So for many, many years, you're talking 100 years. Yep. Up until 1972, yeah, right. Well, nobody wanted to watch him play. Right. Yeah, and you know, until just, they drafted 75, and then that everything started. Just to another change. quick thought too, since you know, uh, just news of the week. Yeah. What do you? What are the quick thoughts on Franco retiring? Retiring his number? You don't want to hear mine. Me personally, this is why I think this is going to become a thing, because in and in, in football, it's not like in baseball where anybody could wear any number. You know, the, everybody right. jokes the Yankees have retired the top 20 numbers. You know, zero to twenty is pretty much retired for the Yankees. Well, they can do that, but football always had the rules where linemen yeah. had to wear certain numbers, quarterbacks had to use certain numbers. I think you're going to see more of it. Yeah. So now that you know that you know, like last night we're watching that game and there's defensive linemen wearing four and right. seven. And, well, Cooper and, Cup wearing ten. Yeah, I mean, I mean defensive so, back number two, the guy uh, uh, Josh Allen, so, stiff arm, mm-hmm. oh yeah, like he was his bitch. He was wearing number two. Yeah. So like a kicker. That's what he looked like when he got stiff arm. But I think you're gonna start I think that's the thing that nobody's talking about. Why now with Franco? Right. Why are they doing it? Why is Franco the guy? Well, I think Franco and the story of the Immaculate Reception, it's fifty years, they're playing the Raiders. I think that ties it all together. I think the real underlying story is because they've loosened the number yeah. thing. I mean, you only dress fifty three guys on game day. There's ninety nine numbers. Or, you know, so but the, the, because they were restricted to what guys could wear, they could never really do that because, you know, you start you start rattling them off, 12, 32, 75 is all retired. 47. 59, 47. Yeah. You know, you start rattling them 43. off. 43. really starting to limit 52, yeah. what can be, what somebody can wear. Well, well here's, here's my thought on the whole thing, Roy, and, and I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this one. So I'm glad you brought it up. Well, he's a Penn State guy. So well, it's, I'm biased. Well, listen, I can't get the image of Franco, that goofball, carrying around the cardboard cutout of Joe Pa after everything went down at Penn State. I mean, hello? Anybody there? You want to talk about totally lacking any type of awareness or sensitivity to subject. And, oh, by the way, they all knew. And well, the Steelers, including Franco. So The Steelers are an organization that looks inside their four walls. They Perfect do. Perfect example. The quote-unquote clerical error on oh, Monday right. yeah. with having picket. I mean, Kenny's come out and said, "Hey, they told me I was two weeks ago." There's yeah. no, there's no conspiracy theory here. They just made a mistake. And the Steelers are like, "Yeah, we'll fix it tomorrow." Right? I oh, don't give a shit. Right. The the Twitter world in Pittsburgh was literally on right. fire. Okay. Right. You know, they just look inside their four walls. Well, here, they look at Franco as a Steeler and a Steeler. I mean. The, the fact yeah, that he won, look at it, the yeah. fact that he went and played for Seattle, yeah, the, year, the Penn right. State stuff. I, I just don't think that stuff resonates. I agree, them. I agree wholeheartedly. But here's why I, was, why I say why Franco, why now? Because I put Franco way down the list. I look at Franco as an above average NFL running back. He made he's known for the one play. Listen, I'll give him Super Bowl whatever that was against the Vikings. I forgot the top of my head what, what number it was. That was him. He had a great game. I give that to him. Tip of the cap. That was him. Otherwise, I say 47, without a doubt. 58. 
I mean, here's a guy who revolutionized the game. Nothing was revolutionized because of Franco Harris other than running out of bounds to avoid hits. 47, 58, 59, 43, 52. All these guys before Franco. Well, I'll be honest. That's the only issue I have. Should he be retired? I agree. Maybe. I agree. In 12. Oh, I for, I, sorry, Terry. I forgot. In 12. Franco. They're never going to retire his number. Franco. Well, here's the thing. And, and, and maybe you'll agree with me when I say this. Franco, to me, is not the first guy that we thought of. I get what's going on. It's 50th, it's 50th anniversary, year, blah, blah, blah. Raiders, yeah. Christmas Eve, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I get that. To me, the next two people, Joe Green was the obvious one. Right. They've done that. Yeah. The next two people to me are Bradshaw and Lambert. But the reason that I don't think those guys' numbers are going to be retired, I don't think the Steelers can trust that those guys will show up. <laughs> I really don't. I mean, Bradshaw has the yeah. thing with the Steelers organization. He hates him. No question. There is animosity there yeah. that I don't know that Bradshaw, if you retired his number, if even if he said, yes, I'll show up, right. then you're going to wait till December. Because I thought it made sense for Bradshaw and Franco to, to have their right. numbers retired together. Good thought. He yep. the for this. Right. He threw the pass. You know, and, and <laughs> the irony of that is, is everybody celebrates the immaculate reception. Well, they lost the next week. Right, right. It's it's really just a fluke play in the in the in the dynasty that this was. It wasn't like it was the turnaround of the franchise or anything like that. They lost the next week. Right. But I thought Franco to Bradshaw uh, or Bradshaw to Franco made sense to retire them together. But I don't think you can trust Terry to show up. And and Lambert, he's living out in the woods somewhere. I don't even think they have phones where he lives. <laughs> right. So, you know, you can't retire Ham if you don't retire Lambert right. first. How about opinion. 47? Uh, Mel Blunt would have been a guy that, I, again, that I would have considered before Franco. I just think they're doing the Franco thing. I mean, Franco's number deserves to be retired. Um, I think they're just doing it because of, you know, the 50-year yeah. anniversary and the way the schedule works. Well, maybe we do a tandem thing when they retire Franco's number. Who's number 32? Jack Tatum was number 32. Right. He wasn't playing that ball like a jackass. We're not <laughs> even talking about it. So there we go. We retire both of their numbers. Bring well, Jack Tatum. No, it's great discuss another great discussion here. And, and you I, could go on and on. And I would have done obviously no right answer, but I mean if you're gonna get to the point now where you think, okay, we can start to retire some numbers, I'd have done Bradshaw and Franco together. The next year I would have done Lambert and Ham together. Yeah. And then the next year I would have done uh, Mel. Mel Mel Blunt. Yeah. I mean, you could have just started now that you've got the lean you right. know, a little bit of leniency to be starting firing off these numbers, these guys' numbers should be retired. Mm -hmm. They don't give them out. Right. They so right. I mean who right. are we pretending here? Just right. just just do it. Yeah, so, yeah. That, that's my only thing. Should Frank and I would even argue, honestly, and, and maybe it's my bias, I get it. And sometimes I, you know, I do my best, especially on the podcast, to put that aside. But I look at Franco. And like I said, I look at him and I think we're as an above average NFL running back. I don't look at him as a Mel Blunt, as a Troy Polamalu, right? As guys who were the best at their position at their time. Frank was no, he was nowhere near that. No, you so, can name Peyton. Peyton, oh Dorsett. yeah, Dorsett, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were. And we, if we actually had some time to think about it, we could probably come up with five more. But I will say this: when Franco retired. I think he was probably in the top 10 conversation of running backs and when he retired. Now he's not 40 right. years later or however long it's been. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Franco I, that's deserves to be retired. I'm just not sure he's the next guy to be. He yeah. shouldn't be a third right. guy. Right. You know, so the second guy from the 70s. Before we move on, we just had, I don't even know, how long was this? 
You're not going to get Steeler talk like this anywhere else. We're 40 minutes of Steeler and NFL talk. Interesting talk, I might say, if we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit here. Even with the noise in the background, there is a birthday party going on here, brushes and beans, so if you can hear that, apologize. Um, but when it comes to professional football talk, the National Football League, this is, this is your home. So, yeah, there's other people out there that are good, and we, all three of us, enjoy listening to certain people. But when it comes to the Steelers, why are you listening to anybody else? That's all I have to say. Let's move on to Pitt. Big game tomorrow, 3.30, ABC, another nationally televised game for Pitt. I mean, I can't remember a year where they've had this type of national exposure out of the gate. They pulled it off last week. It wasn't pretty, but they got the win. Now they have the SEC team coming into town, the Tennessee Volunteers. By no means is this a Tennessee team that we've, like we've seen in the past, the, the teams of Peyton Manning and T. Martin. But Josh Heupel's a great coach. He's getting them there. This team is definitely taking steps to start making some noise in the SEC. This is going to be a hell of a challenge for Pitt. And I will tell you, and I heard from players inside, you know, they're on the inside actually playing. If they play like they did last week against West Virginia, all due respect to West Virginia, they played a great game. They're going to get trounced. And, and it, it won't even be close. This team is faster. When you talk about fundamentals, they're just they're better across the board, period, the end. So if the offensive line comes out flat like they did last week, if the defensive line forgets how to – you know what? What you know, defending the runs all about and the outside linebackers. This could get ugly fast because this team could put up points quickly. Well, I expect a significantly better performance from Pitt this week because listen, that's a unique circumstance. What they went through. Game one, you know, you're re- you're reviving a rival that hadn't been around mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Seventy thousand people, the biggest crowd in the history of Pittsburgh sports. It's a Thursday night. Takes them out of their routine a little bit. Um, there are a lot of emotions, a lot of nervousness, stuff like that. I- I'm expecting a much better performance from Pitt this week. Does it mean that they're going to win? No, it does not mean that. Tennessee is a very good football team. Um, but I, I expect, the, 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 especially the heart of there, the offensive line and the defensive line, I expect them to be significantly better this week. And I'm going to steal your point from the Rams-Bills. Pitt played a quality opponent last week. It was a Power 5 team. West Virginia, it was a decent squad. We saw it. Tennessee played Ball State. Right? A glorified scrimmage is what that game turned out to be. That could be huge in this game. Pitt was really smacked in the mouth last week in a big way. I think, just like we were talking about, there's a big difference between playing barely an FBS school and then playing a Power 5 team. That's at, it would probably, they're going to be pretty decent in the Big 12. I think we're going to see that at the end of the year with West Virginia. I think that will help Pitt for sure coming into this game. No, and I agree. And what I what what's, it, it's nice to see, you know, Pitt got, you know, obviously game day crew was here last mm-hmm. week. They got nice national attention. This week they're going to be on national TV again. The number one ABC team is yep. going to be here, Sean McDonough. Um, and Love him, by the way. And shout out to the wide receivers coach. Is it Taekwon? Taekwon, it? Taekwon Underwood. Taekwon Underwood. They're going to have on the sidelines the number one wide receiver in the 2023, mm-hmm. 2024, yep. and 2025 Great season, yep. uh, mm-hmm. recruit on the sidelines. Yep. And that's just not something that's happened to Pitt in years past. And shout out to him for the coach Underwood. I mean, that's just 
Yeah. Unbelievable to have something like that going on here. And uh, and I, I think it's going to be – I'm hoping it's going to be a good crowd. Mark and I talked about this before. We're expecting, what, 45, 45. to 50, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Hopefully, mostly pit fans and stuff like that. Weather should be okay. It's going to be decent. Cloudy day, decent, 80 degrees. Um, I really hope to see another good performance on national TV so Pitt can really get their brand yeah. you know, out there and going. Well, I was the guy two weeks ago that said this team's going 9-3. and three. I didn't see anything last week. Listen, you can tell me West Virginia, is, they're not a good team. They're Compared to Ball State, yes. Compared to other teams in the Big 12, this team's probably a 5-7, five and, five and 6-6 six and six team. They're just a mediocre football team. What I seen last week, I know. I, listen, I think the offensive line for Pitt's going to play better. I'm hoping they play better. I know the defensive line can play markedly better right, than right. they played last week. To me, it comes down to quarterback play. Is Slovis better than Hooker? I don't think he mm-hmm. is, and that's where the game lies with me. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we come back next week right. and you guys say, "Well, you're wrong." I think Tennessee wins this game, and I think Tennessee wins this game pretty easily. Wow. Okay. I, I, I'm not going to agree with you there. Um, I, I think your right quarterback play is going to have a lot to do with this game. Pitt has historically, for whatever reason, you see in college football, there's certain matchups that go in your favor. Pitt has handled Hendon Hooker every time they play, whether he was a Virginia Tech or last year. He's not the most accurate quarterback in the world. He can throw the ball a million miles, but he's not the most accurate. We saw that last year when he came in for Joe Milton. Obviously, he's going to improve. He's like Kenny. He's 24, 23 years old. He's been around a long time. He knows the game. But for whatever, like I was saying, Narduzzi knows how to handle him. He knows how to design a defense to hold him in check. We've also seen Narduzzi beat Heupel two out of the last three years. So for whatever reason, they can handle that up-tempo. What They snap the ball every 10 to 12 seconds. They're going to be moving. Narduzzi's, you know, he's he and Randy Bates. Let's give Randy, you know, shout out defensive coordinator Randy Bates. They've devised a scheme where they, for whatever reason, this defense can hit. They're going to put up points, Tennessee. Don't get me wrong, but I think they can hold them in check. Um, and I think it's because of what you said. I think the defensive line was very disappointed in their performance. I think, from what I've heard, they put in a great week of practice. They're ready to go. I think they've corrected some stuff with their outside linebackers. You're going to see a rotation this week that I think will help that situation. Um, the corners are going to have to step up. I mean, I like what they have there. I think overall the corners that they have and the depth they have of corners is the best they've had, um, which is, you know, I don't know how much, it, but whatever. Um, and their safeties are great. I love Hallett and Brandon Hill. So I think they're able to keep Tennessee – 30 points or under. And I think if they can, their chances of winning are pretty high. Now, Slovis, we're going to need to see from him. And we talked about this on the podcast last week. My biggest criticism of Slovis from last week's game was his lack of ability to process the play quickly. It just took him too long to go through his progression. And he held on to the, so, oh, he held on to the ball. It's because he couldn't. He couldn't make a decision quick enough. He's taken too long to go through his reads, and then boom, he gets sacked. And you know, the lack of awareness, Tommy, you mentioned his lack of awareness. I agree. That's all part of it. The mental part of the game, I think. And if you go back and look at some tape from USC, there were some similar criticisms there. So that is my biggest concern. I don't is he gonna improve? 
Can you improve that? Tommy, you play ball for Can you improve a quarterback's ability to process a play, get through your reads, and make a decision? Well, here's what I think that – I mean, for Pitt to win this game, what I think they need to do – listen, Narduzzi's defenses have proven that they have big playability, but they also give up the big play. Mm-hmm. So when you play – when you face an offense like this, to me – I think you go in saying the other team's going to score 30, 28 mm-hmm. to 35 points. I, the, I think that's a given. Tennessee's yeah. going to put that up. So can Pitt's offense put that up, match that? Mm-hmm. I don't know that the quarterback can, but the one thing I think they need to do better is they need to run the ball better, mm-hmm. and they need to control the clock because if Tennessee can get in 90 plays on offense because they're snapping the ball every 10 seconds – Mm-hmm. And doing that, you know, our ass is on fire. We got to get rid of the ball offense that they do. Like college football is now. Um, the the defense is never going to survive. It's just not. And then you're talking about the defense giving up forty five to fifty or or more points because uh, you know Tennessee's just snapping a ball and moving down the field. But if Pitt's offense can can get out there and run two or three eight minute eight nine minute drives where they're running the ball a little bit, getting some push, things like that. That's what I think they need to do to offset that. They need to get Tennessee's plays into the 60s, maybe upper 50, 65 snaps instead of 90 snaps, and give everybody on the defensive side of the ball a better chance to be able to to, to make a play. No, I, I agree. I, I think the best chance for Pitt to win this game is to be able to run the football because that takes right. the pressure, pressure off of Slovis, right? Um, last week they weren't able to run the ball at all. Now, to Signetti's credit – he kept beating his head mm-hmm. against that wall. It just didn't right. go anywhere. Right. Oh, like, Hammond, I thought Hammond ran the ball. He did. Okay? He did. It was the other guy. Izzy struggled. Yeah, Izzy struggled. Hammond ran the ball well, but as a team, right. they averaged Nowhere what, near they wanted two to yards be. a carry. Trust you, me. Can't, yeah. you can't win against good competition no. running the ball two yards a carry. Right. It's just not going to work. So, yeah, if this offensive line plays better, they have it. Which they, they should. Well, they we're should. not talking about right. the Steelers where we're right. hoping. This is a veteran, older, men against boys line right. offensive line. This offensive line should be significantly better than the one we saw last right. week. If Pitt runs the ball like they did last week, they're going to get killed. I, this game's right. not even going to be close. And you're going to be calling me in the third right. quarter crying, you know, and bitching, and you're going to be using all kinds of right. words I can't even say right. on the air right now. Pretty much, yeah. And, and that's that's how it's going to work. They need, like Tom said, he's right. And he got to it before I got to it. They need to be able to run the football effectively. And if they ran or they run the ball like they did last week, they're going to have all kinds of issues against this team. So much more talented than West Virginia. I can't even emphasize that enough. This team, we're talking about a team that's maybe fifth in the SEC, but if they were in the ACC, they'd be one of the top right. two teams. That's just the way the SEC is built. So it's going to be a struggle if they can't run the football. Yeah, I agree. And I, you know, so let's get down to prediction time. I, I think Pitt does figure out a way to win. I think they win. 35-31 in a close one. The defense just does just enough to keep Tennessee off the board big time. I think they're able to establish some type of running game, which will help. Slovis will do just enough, as he did last week, and they pick goes to 2-0. Uh, I say Tennessee wins 38-28. I just, you know, and I think Pitt scores a late touchdown to make it look a little closer than it really is. And I, I hope I'm wrong, but as Tom said before, Narduzzi's track record is what it is, and these are the kind of games that he just never wins. So I'm taking Tennessee by 10. 
Well, I'm going to go with the old uh, blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, and Narduzzi pulls one out. And uh, I don't know if this will be anything that Narduzzi does to, to help them win, but I think Pitt's going to win 38-35. Nice. And, okay. Uh, I think this is going to be – now, I'm not saying that they won't lose the Rhode Island the following week, but, I mean, right. <laughs> to, to still be Pitt. But well, I, I situ- really think this is – I really think that um, – this is going to be one of those games where the veteran offensive line, defensive line wins this game for Pitt. I really do. And I think there's something to said In college football, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of athletes. But there, there's Pitt's Experience offensive, is huge. Pitt's offensive and defensive line are men mm. at this point, playing a game that's mostly young men mm. or you know teenagers playing. And I think this is going to be one of those games where, the, where that group step – both of those groups step up and win the game. It's a good point. I think that experience hopefully will pay dividends. And if they go to 2-0, and and we talked about this briefly before the podcast, if they go to 2-0 and and they have that win against Tennessee, I think this team moves up to maybe 11-12 in the country and has really a chance to make a statement because then Western Michigan, Rhode Island, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, they should very – at that point, they should be sitting at 6-0 six, six and, oh, and with an opportunity to really – off the top of my head, if I'm not if I'm thinking correctly, they'll be favored in every game mm-hmm. up until Miami. Probably, maybe at North Carolina. They're at North. They're at North Carolina, right? Virginia is pretty good. They're at North Carolina. They're at Louisville. At North, North Carolina, Carolina. at North Carolina, they're probably a dog. I would think. I don't know. And I don't know if they're undefeated going yeah, into that game. They'll be favored. Where it is, I, I know. But okay, but Virginia the point is, a pretty good team. Yeah. Then arguably, you would expect them to be to win every other game going to Miami if they win this game. We'll so, see. I mean, there are huge, huge uh, repercussions. We'll know. We'll know time. next week. Yeah. Well, we'll know in 24 hours. That's right. That's right. And we'll see if we'll see if I'm crying or from going to enjoy the rest of my weekend. Well. If they lose, the rest of the world will probably hear it. Because Mark yeah. will be Oh, you'll be able to hear me for sure. So Just like Tux. Yeah, you can almost hear it. Yeah, exactly. That's there's me whining. That's what you'll hear. Yeah, the dog doesn't. That's perfect, Tux. Great timing. That's what you. That's what I'll sound like tomorrow, around eight o'clock if Pitt can't pull this one off. So, anyway, so we haven't talked pirates for a while. We're not going to talk about the pirates today either. But we are going to talk about the big news of the day today the massive new rule changes that are going into place for the 2023 season next year. Michael, why don't you lead us through them? Uh, so what I read was that we're now going to have a 19-second pitch clock. And I, you guys know that I went to a game uh, in Altoona earlier this year. And I got to say, I, I loved it. Um, the game, the pace of the game. Well, what were, it's going to be a 15-second clock when no one's on base in 20 seconds when there is a man on base. Yeah, it, it, and it's when the catcher's got to be yeah. in his position, the batter got to have both feet in the box. Um, yeah. I think it's going to make the game grow, I'm hoping, because younger kids, if you if you go to a, any baseball game, it doesn't have to be a pirate game. Even if you're watching on TV and they pan out to the crowd, right. 80% of them are looking right at their phones because there's so much dead time in between each pitch. Uh, then we got the shift. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, I don't understand why hitters in the professional okay. ranks can't figure out how to hit the ball where the effing fielders are. Right. But apparently, they cannot. So, we're getting we're getting rid of the shift where no longer can you have a shortstop or a second baseman playing short right field against a left-handed batter. Um, and then the it's third, nice. You have to have two fielders on either side of the infield. Yes, you have to play. have two fielders. And they have to be in they, dirt. They have yeah. to have at least one foot on the dirt. So 
that might accelerate some more offense in the mm-hmm. game and make a little more excitement for the game along with the, the quicker pace of the game. And then the third one to me doesn't really matter all that much is the size of the bases are going from 15 inches to 18 inches, which I guess going down the first baseline, if you have a longer base, it's a little bit mm-hmm. shorter distance for you to step on the bag. They're saying it has to do with collisions. Mm-hmm. I'm not really sure I really care about that one. So I noticed when I read the article that obviously the owners unanimously voted for these rule changes and the players union unanimously voted against them. So it's it's going to be, you know. But the voting committee is six owners and four, four players. players. Right. Right. So, yeah. yes. So And an umpire. And one umpire. Yeah. One umpire. What a world. And we're talking about these rule changes. And, and the elephant in the room is, and I've been advocating it for years, and Mark and I talked about it earlier today, and he, I'll bring it up before he does. It, you bring up these rule changes, and I like them all, minus the bases. I could care less about the bases. The automated home plate umpire. Mm-hmm. We have the technology, right? We can all work from home now. Where 20 years ago, we had to go into the office every day. Mm-hmm. Now we don't. Now you have the technology to get every pitch right, and there's no more arguing balls and strikes. The hit professional baseball now is harder than it ever been. I mean, we seen Degrom pitch the other night. Mm-hmm. He's Filthy. 94 mile per hour sliders. I'm not even sure that's legal. <laughs> uh, and you these home plate umpires, and you see some of them at my age. I have trouble reading, let alone seeing a pitch coming 100 miles an hour. So they got most of it right, but they missed on part of it. Yeah, I think baseball's in a tough spot. I mean, it's the quote-unquote purest game. It's the one the rules have been the same since, you know, they, they decided to start playing it. But, boy, baseball sucks. I mean, it just does. I mean, four-hour games – Four and a half hour nine. It's ridiculous. Everybody stepping out after every pitch and adjusting their batting gloves and you know drawing their freaking letters in the dirt. And I, mean, I blame No More for all that. Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah. yeah. He definitely started. He was definitely one of the pioneers. Every pitch. Oh, every pitch, he step out of the box and fix his gloves and go through his routine. I mean, in theory, I don't have a problem with any of these rules. Honestly, the one rule that bothers me on some level that you actually didn't mention is the pickoff rule. Um, you're only allowed to throw over twice now, and the third time, if you don't get the guy out, it's a it's a balk. I don't like that. There's something about that that bugs me. If you know, if you throw over twice as you're a runner, you know he ain't coming back. Right. I mean, so I mean, you could literally take a lead that's halfway down for you know, There's something quirky about that that bugs me. Um, you know, I'm hoping that I don't see some weird CFL stuff where, you know, O'Neill Cruz is standing behind second base, and as soon as the ball is released, he starts sprinting full speed to right field to try to still have this stuff. So I'm hoping that they don't cork this up in some way. And I agree with you, Michael. It's a shame that this was a problem that major league hitters could have solved themselves by just hitting against the shift. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they put six guys in right field and there's two in left, hit the freaking mm-hmm. ball to left field. And they stopped doing this shit, but they never, you know, major league players just never. So the the adjustment was, well, let's not try to figure out how to hit over there. We're just going to dip our shoulder and just try to hit it over them and hit it right, out. Right. But you know, for all the length of time, for all that stuff, you know, that I think is wrong with baseball. You know, something that struck me at the heart of me is that Michael, especially me and you, you know, we were we did fantasy baseball back when we were in high school. 
I mean, that was 30, by hand, right by now. hand, 35 years ago. We used to get the USA Today. We would sit down at at, at, at uh, then I'd have to wait for the Post Gazette the next day yeah. to get the day before. Yeah, we could never get the, we could never get the Western scores, so we were always chasing the Western scores. But you know, back when everybody read a newspaper, you used to have the batting leaders. Oh. Mm-hmm. And the top 10 batting leaders were always, the number 10 guy was always hitting 330, 325. Mm-hmm. Right now, the number, I think I saw that the number eight hitter in the National League is hitting 297. I mean, it's That's, just. Yeah, the game has definitely changed. It's a three outcome game. We say it all yeah, the time. It's just a different game, and it's not a better game. No, it absolutely and, is not. And to your point, Michael, I think part of the reason why you're not seeing the automated strike zones is because these are pretty radical changes. Having a shot clock, you know, mm-hmm. baseball, one of the mysteries of baseball is always that there was no time. There was no time. You showed up. You didn't know how long it was going to take. There was no time. Well, now there is. And um, and the shift, these are pretty dramatic things. I mean, the shift can be reviewable. If a guy breaks too early, you know, it could, it could, you know, these are pretty br- drastic changes for Major League Baseball. But I think they had to be done. They really do. The game is unwatchable. Yeah, it's it's hard. It really, it's, it's yeah. hard to watch. It's um, hard to watch. And, and you got guys like Vogelbach that you know don't swing at pitches right. and are drawing their letters in the name and they're stepping out after everyone and adjust. I mean, he steps out of the batter's box. I think he eats a chicken wing before he gets back in the box every time. I mean, he's just yeah, it, it, they need to do something. So I'm curious to see what this does. I really am. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I agree with what both of you are saying, but in typical Major League Baseball fashion. If I'm looking at this from a PR perspective, of course, pace of play is a huge issue. So check that box. We've done something to address. But anytime I go on any social media platform, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we've all seen them, the the memes, the, the, the reels showing bad call after bad call behind home plate. I would argue that that's their biggest issue from a PR perspective. You have umpires that are in many cases, determining outcomes of games, either they're calling balls strikes or, or, or vice versa. And to me, that was the biggest issue that needed to be addressed, and they failed to do it. And you, and they should have. But I will say this. Watching it, and, and someone who's played baseball all their lives and knows what the strike zone looks like, there are things that light up in that box that to me aren't a strike. And I wish – I, I – I don't know. You could probably right. speak to this more, Mark, than, than either one of us can about what the technologies that they're using is. The camera. It's angle, never going to be so. You hit the, the right thing. Angle, it's the, the camera same position. In every park, right? Is because there so are well, there it, are pictures that I see that that are I, that light up that right. box. It's a strike, and I go, eh, it's not a strike. It's just but not. I read. So, I can't remember. Where I read it, but. The robo umps, I think they measure. It's ninety-seven yeah, percent accurate. Yeah. So the difference is, Tom. Human element, you're like eighty-five percent. They're saying well, so huge it, difference. As, as far as the box we see on TV and the angle we get from the camera that we're watching isn't what the computer's going to call. Mm-hmm. They're not calling it from a camera angle. They're calling it from where the box is set up, right. wherever the computer sets it up. To. And there's going to be error. There's no, yeah, no but, doubt but about not it. not like we're perfect. seeing no, with the with home the humans. plate umpires. And listen, there are some really good home plate umpires. And if you don't want to go to automated balls and strikes, and I know it's tough on these umpires, but home plate umpiring is like being the captain of the team, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a good ball and strike caller, then you should get paid more than the other umpires. If you're a third base umpire, second base umpire, first base umpire, if you're a good ball and strike guy, if they rate you on that, 
then just let those guys call balls and strikes. That would have been a good compromise. That's a good compromise. Yeah, that would have been a good compromise for sure. Yeah, and I I can get behind that totally. I mean, there are just I mean, when you're talking about some of these guys that are throwing hundred mile cutters, yeah, and the movement of the ball, <laughs> you see that, and all that yeah. kind of stuff. What I, I mean, in all my days of playing, I was always looking for consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to be if you're going to continuously give the outside of the plate and not the inside, okay, just that's right. your strike zone. We mm-hmm. can adjust to that. The problem I have is that some of these guys, oh, yeah, Hernandez, yeah. you know, I mean, he's, uh, you know, a foot over the strike zone, a foot under the strike zone. Yeah, he's, he's like just, Frank Drummond. Yeah, he's <laughs> just a ball strong. Strike. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like, come on, guys, you know. And Frank Drummond reference, for those of you who may not know, our young naked gun. If you haven't watched it, Watch it. Tom, I, I will say this. You and I played in college, right? Yeah. And when we played in the early 90s, we seen some guys that threw 86, 88. We thought that was fast. My son threw 90 and played Division three. That's what I'm talking about. The game has evolved. Where the, 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 the velocity and the movement on the ball is so much more prevalent now than it was 25, 30 years ago. And that's the difference. Mm-hmm. If we're talking 25, 30 years ago, it's, yeah, guys could adjust to a strike zone. Tommy and I could adjust mm-hmm. to a home plate umpire when we were playing. If we're saying, okay, he was a right-handed hitter, I was a left-handed hitter. But if a guy was calling balls on the right-handed side of the batter's box, I was able to hit the ball the other way. It, the guy was throwing 83, 84, 85 miles an hour. That guy's throwing that pitch a half a foot outside now, 96, 97. I don't know who's hitting that. It, it just right. The game has evolved, so we have to evolve the rules. Yeah. And we used to joke, you know, with the Braves, you know, the Braves pitching staff and Maddox, you know, they would always get to corners and stuff like right. that. Maddox was doing stuff in 88 to 90 that guys are now doing with 99 to 100. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, right. You can't same, hit that. The same movement, the same edges, the same – you know, picking corners, but the ball's coming in 10 to 12 miles an hour faster. I mean, at some point, there's only so much a human umpire who is standing behind the catcher who's usually looking over one shoulder or right. the other. There's only so much you can do. I'm not faulting them. I think they got to fix it. I'm but not yeah, saying that's my whole point. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't want I mean, to that's why Aside from pace of play, this is the biggest issue in yes, Major League Baseball. I think it's amazing they get as much right as they do a lot of the it's time. True. It's true. They um, get a lot right, but it's so hard just now. certain now. guys when they're – I mean, I mean, Christ, Angel Hernandez is a meme himself. Right. Yeah, he is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why is he even still employed right. by Major League that, Baseball? Well, yeah. There's no accountability. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Anyway, on to fact or fiction. Let's keep this show moving along here. And we're going to go back to football for our fact and fiction, fact or fiction. And we touched on this when we were going through uh, our picks, but more than half of the road teams will win on Sunday, fact or fiction. More than half of the road teams will win on Sunday, fact or fiction. Well, I'll be honest. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think road teams had a better winning percentage last year on the road overall than home teams. I mean, uh my, my, I, we were talking about this before the podcast too. My dad called me this week. We're in a survivor poll, mm-hmm. and uh, you know the three biggest road, the big, the three biggest favorites this week are all road teams. Uh, you know, San Francisco's at Chicago, Baltimore's at the Jets, and uh, Indianapolis is at Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the three biggest lines this week. You know, like we saw last night, Buffalo walk in L.A. and just stomp a butthole mm-hmm. in uh, in the Rams last night. So. I think it's fact. I, I think the home field advantage has become a weird thing mm-hmm. in uh, professional football. I mean, and you got places like LA where 
You know, is it I mean, really even home field? Last night, I mean, that was like they were playing in Western New York <laughs> last night with that crowd. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say fact. I think road teams are – I think home field advantage has become, I don't want to say meaningless, but damn near meaningless yeah. in professional football. No, i, I got to agree with Tommy on this. I mean, I, I think that's across the board in all sports. I mean, we see it in hockey. We see it in basketball now. Um Teams can go into another team's mm-hmm. building, whether it's an arena or a stadium, and win. And I, I think it's fact. I think if you look at the games this week, I, I think you're going to see more road teams win than home teams. Yeah, I agree. I, when I was putting this question together, I was looking at the slate. I, I think it is fact, and it's going to be a big-time fact. I think it's going to skew way in favor of the away teams when all said and done. Monday Honestly, night. if you think about it, I think college football, the true – I don't want to mm-hmm. say blue buds because I hate that term, but the true – College towns, Penn State, you know, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Alabama, Nebraska. Their home fields are really, I think, the last true beacon of Mm -hmm. home field advantage in sports. And you Mm -hmm. see it in college basketball too. And college basketball, Cameron Indoor, North Carolina, UCLA, the 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 Rock of Kentucky. You don't use the word blue bloods, but to go into those arenas, it's very intimidating in the college ranks. But in the professional ranks, it's completely changed. Right. Yeah. Next factor fiction. All three of us will win our fantasy football matchups this weekend. Well, Michael and I are screwed there. <laughs> so I think, yeah. we can, I think we can say fiction on that because we're playing each we're, other. Yeah. Tommy and I are playing each other this weekend. I, I was watching the game. That was a purposeful last, question. Yeah, it, it was purposeful. But yeah. last night I was watching the game. And this is how much I pay attention to my fantasy league. I thought Tom had Buffalo's defense last night, and I'm thinking, I'm screwed. I said, this game's over already. I think he got 25 points out of Buffalo's defense, and I realized when I looked this morning, he has San Francisco's defense. So, yeah, well, so one of us are going to lose this right. week unless we top. So well, I would say that's fiction. Well, Yahoo has you as a two-point favorite. Yes. Um, so, hey, who knows? And that was before some guy named Tyler Higby scored six points. I didn't yeah. know who he was, but apparently he was on my team last night. I picked him, so – that's one thing I hate about fantasy football is I have guys on my team I couldn't I couldn't right. pick out of the lineup. He could be here painting in your shop right now. Right. I wouldn't know who he is. But uh, Tyler Higby had six points for me last night. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, so I'm going to say fiction. That's going to be tough. I was feeling pretty good about my chances after the first quarter. I have Josh Allen, so I'm feeling pretty good. And then fucking Cooper Cup, that dude, I mean, he put up 26 points last night. That's a lot for a wide receiver. 26. Yeah, that's a lot. That's what he does. So I'm not feeling too good about my own chances, so I'm going to say fiction as well. All right, closing comments for the week. A rant, a positive sentiment. Uh, what do we want to end with? Yeah, my closing comment. I, so this past week, we everybody wanted to talk. I mean, U.S. Open's going on. and I haven't watched a tennis match, speaking of that. And I can't tell how long. And I used to work at USA Network, and we covered tennis. I, I worked it with And I enjoyed it. I mean, that was like the heyday of tennis. It was actually enjoyable to watch. It was Sampras and Agassi and Becker and... I mean, Steffi Graf, Monica Sellis, blah, 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 blah. I actually watched a tennis match this week because of Serena. Yeah. It turned out to be her last match. It, it, it turned out to be her last match, and that's what everybody wants to talk about this week. But I, I want to turn my attention, and my daughter obviously plays basketball. She's a big mm-hmm. basketball player. She plays at Gateway. Um, Serena obviously retired this week, but also Sue Berg for the Seattle yeah. Storm retired this week. And – you know, 20, 25 years ago, girls didn't have a point guard to look up to. She's the greatest female point guard that's ever lived. 
Um, she played 19 years in the WNBA. She's a four-time WNBA champion. She's the all-time assist leader in the WNBA, 13-time All-Star, and she's the all-time wins leader in WNBA. And not on top of that, she has five gold medals. There's no other athlete that's ever lived that can say that. So I just want to give a shout-out to Sue Bird. Tux, 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 Tux disagrees with you. Yeah. yeah, see, he's not really into my He's not a Sue Bird fan, no, I guess. No, the most Bird amazing thing of what you said is that the NBA, the WNBA has been around for 19 years. Well, it's, it's played it's 19 years. 30 years. That's hard to believe. That's crazy. 30, 30 years. years. 30 years. It's been around that long. Yeah. That's a year after we graduated high school. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm sure. 1992. Yeah. Wow. No question. I had no idea. You're the only one that probably knows that. <laughs> that dog needs braces, by the way. Just throwing that out there, too. Um, uh, my final comment, whatever thought, is that I just want to give a shout out to our boy, our boy, our childhood friend, Joe Moorhead. Nice. Uh, he got his. He's his uh, Go Joe. Head coach of Akron, and uh, I haven't. I haven't stayed as close to Joe as Michael has over the years, but I've followed his career closely. He's at Akron now, the head coach. He's got a big. Uh, He's got a big job on his hands, but uh, he got his first. If anyone w. can handle it, it's him. He got his first W at Akron last week, and uh, I know that Joe has listened to our podcast a couple times. I know that Joe has turned off the podcast when I started talking about <laughs> hockey. So, Joe, this is my, you know, this is. I figured this was like a little olive branch. So, I'll give you a shout out next time I'm mm-hmm. talking about hockey. Leave it on for a few minutes. There you can learn go. something. Yeah. I don't know if Joe ever would, but he no, would. No, he would. he's got a big game this week. Yeah. Good, game. Game. good luck, Joe. Yeah, good luck on that one. <laughs> Maybe in a few years, not this year. Not this year. For me, nothing really much this week. Um, you know, I'm just uh, – I'm in pit mode, right? I mean, it's all about pit in Tennessee tomorrow. That's what, 98% of my brain power right now is being devoted to that game and what's going to go down there. So, um, just like we talked about, I, I'm just hoping they can put on a, a good performance – and somehow, some way, figure out how to pull pull out a win and go two and zero against Tennessee in this little mini series that they put together, and hopefully start climbing up the ranks and put together something special this year. So, would we be we'll remiss in not mentioning the fact that our poster anti poster child for this whole podcast the whole time, the evil quarterback from Texas, the Texas the Texas high school quarterback Josh Van Meter, Josh Van Meter. I mean, That's we, right. How do we how do we, how do we not, let that go? We not wrap up We've been that. beating that drum for finally got cut. twenty-seven oh. episodes. I, I talked to Mark, and this is the last thing I'll say. I'll let you guys go. We've been going a long yeah. time tonight, but uh, I did see a meme today that said uh, Queen Elizabeth held on just long enough to see Josh Ramsey get the <laughs> FA by the Pirates. So there it is. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Until next week, this is ABC on Pittsburgh Sports signing off. Hail to Pitt.